I'm Sue Brain, and I'm delighted to welcome you back to this second series of Embracing Your Mortality. I have a fantastic lineup of guests, all of whom are speaking from their hearts about what it means to them to be living more consciously for a better world. Some are deeply involved with building community and working with environmental issues. When you are kind and loving to yourself is when you are most able to be a benefit to other people. Some speak about death and dying. Others are holistic doctors and healers. The best way to help people is to find the remedy that they've always needed. One is involved in helping children to understand their feelings. Every child has gifts and talents, so it's about finding out what they are. And another is championing women in business. If we don't like how it feels, then the system needs to have a change of heart. And I'm most grateful to Colin Gilbert's family, who've given their permission to publish his interview about dying, which I did with him shortly before his death. I'm looking at today. If for the moment, the most important thing in my life is that I'm talking to you right now. If you haven't already, don't forget to listen to the first series of Embracing Your Mortality podcasts. Links to my guests in both series can be found on my website, suebrain.co.uk. Even though we're going through really challenging times, I hope all these conversations from both series inspire you to embrace your mortality so you too can live more consciously for a better world. I first met Colin Gilbert at a death cafe I facilitated in 2020 and I was struck by how keen he was to take part even though he was living with terminal cancer. Following the Death Café, I asked him if I could interview him about his relationship with life and death, and he readily agreed. In his interview, he talks about how he's been on an incredibly profound inner journey following a diagnosis for prostate cancer, which he refers to as his little tissue issue. And he speaks candidly about how his spiritual beliefs have helped him overcome the fear of death and deepened his understanding of the transition that awaits us all. Colin died on Monday the 7th of September 2020. My journey is a journey of cancer, which I like that to be the last time I use the C word. (laughs) Uh, I call it my little tissue issue. It's in the prostate and it was all to do with feeling exhausted, difficulty going to the loo, Uh, A time that was sort of eight to ten years after I'd gone through a divorce. So there had been stress in my life. But at the time that this all came out, the stress was easing right down because I was very much on a spiritual journey. I went to the GP and cut a long story short. Eventually, I found a GP to take me seriously and I was sent for a biopsy and then called in and they they suddenly said, oh, you've got an adenocarcinoma of the prostate. And I said, what? Mm. (laughs) I was so unprepared. I didn't have a notebook and pen. I didn't have a digital tape recorder, anything. I remember coming out of that day saying, I'm doomed. What now? What do I do? And it was a kind of your, your, all of your, your emotions just go into turmoil. Now I'm an ex-military man. So I'd learned to think sideways. 
and you sit down and you think, okay, let's take stock. I was 10 years into a spiritual journey. I had learned a lot about taking ownership, taking responsibility of my life. I knew about the Brandon Bay's journey. So I found a, a lady in Bath who would do that for me and spent three hours the next day in three consecutive days doing this journey. And that set the next sort of 10 years of my life totally on a different path. On that first hour, I found myself communicating with my tumor. And the tumor said, I'm not here to take you. I cannot take you. I'm here to teach you to look at life's experiences, to tie those experiences into a, a three-strand strong rope and move on. Oh, says I. And a lot of other things we, we did. We went, we journeyed, we looked. And, you know, and that, that was the most phenomenal set of three hours. That was day two. You know, day one, you've got a denicarcinoma of the prostate. Day two, I'm not here to take you. I'm talking to my tumor. You can survive. Wow, let's go for it. What do I do now? How do I actually do this? The first thing is to say, who am I? What am I? Who am I? Who am I? And as I began to think, those things, I realized that I am spirit. Now, to be pedantic, as I discovered later, no, I'm not. I am soul. And I have a body. Now, my body will stop at some point in the future, but I won't. I'm just going to step aside, lift on and move on. I mean, this is a wonderful, profound journey that you went on. But you said you were on a spiritual journey journey before this happened. So what was the spiritual yeah. journey that, that you were on? 2000, I was divorced. 1989, I, I was married. I was married as a strong Christian. Went through marriage uh, and struggled with many different issues. Once the divorce settled down, I distinctly remember walking up Bloomfield Road to, to Oddown, where I had a, bought this little bungalow, and hearing my heart speak to me for the first time ever. It said, sing. It said, toxins. And it said, release your stuff. Wow. Each one of those, I just said, right, I hear you, I go. Were you in therapy or were you just talking to people or were you just doing this on your oh, own? Or were oh, you I was just doing it on myself. The only thing I was struggling with were migraines. I was getting a three-day head, head banger every month and I began to deal on the toxins side and realize that there are physical toxins and there are what I call spiritual toxins. Road rage is a sort of spiritual toxin and how that affects the body. These all led me down the path of realizing that actually I'm not made of stuff. I'm made of energy. Everything I project is an energetic transmission. But everything I receive is also an energetic transmission. So I began to look at the concept of love, the concept of joy, the concept of 
peace, mind, body, and spirit. On the cancer journey, I was told about the Penny Braun Cancer Care Center over in Nailsey. Wow, they don't deal in the disease. It's those little people in their white coats deal with the disease. They deal with the person. And once I really got into it, I realized that they deal with it at the spiritual level. So all of this stuff started to flavor my journey. I was told to sing, right, sing. I've always sung, sing deep bass. Went to the church, but that was a bit happy, clappy, two-dimensional. I need more. Chap in the office said, no, come and join the choir. So I joined the Silver Ring Choir. And I've been with them now for 2000, since 2004. Singing the whole concept of chanting, the whole concept of it is the purest sound mm. that your body can be subjected to is the sound of your own voice. Tell me more about the journey since Penny Braun. Penny Braun came in once I, I was diagnosed with the cancer. But the 10 years prior to that, I'd been following my heart and learning the whole energetic line. The singing took me to New Zealand. New Zealand, um, I heard this thing about life force. I'm a dowser. I'm an energy man. I feel with my hands. A lot of people say, oh, goodness, good gracious. Right, fine. But for me, it's real. It always has been. And I went into a, a Maori museum in Rotorua. And I've just as I went into the door of this museum, the place just came alive. And it was like an energy. And I went out, turned off, went in, turned on, went out, off, in, on. Right, up by the hands. Where is it? Here, where is it? Cold, 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 hot. Cold, 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 hot. The curator came up to me and he said, you're not supposed to feel that. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? And he says, well, we call it morti. It's the life force. Mm. And the, the, the carver put his life force as a gift into the carving as a gift for everybody who passes under it. You are not Mari. You are not supposed to feel that. And I said, life force, what does that mean? Came home, Googled it, life force. And there was a, a course going on down in Devon and they were studying life force. What I actually signed up for was a week's Tantra course. Oh, that was fun. But that just opened up my journey. It's a journey of energy, kundalini energy. All these little elements were tools going into my toolbox, which once I got then, I found myself with a cancer. I had all these tools laid out for me. Tools of meditation, tools of chakra, tools of energy, tools of sound, tools of chanting, tools of food, juicing, mind, body and spirit. All of these had opened up and they were already there in my life. Do you feel that these tools have actually extended your life? Lots of people have said, you should have gone years ago. <laughs> and I'm saying, well, sorry about that. I'm just doing my best. I'm on a soul journey. And my soul is experiencing all the different elements that it's due to experience. I can't say that juicing organic carrots has extended my life. But I can say juicing your standard, tasteless, uh, large supermarket carrot is going to do me less good than if I go down to the, the, the market in Green Park Station and get myself an organic carrot. Mm -hmm. And I've realized that that is a, a very powerful part of what mm -hmm. putting into my body. My immune system 
mind, body, and spirit is the only tool I've got. I've got no idea if it's extended my life or not. But the oncologist is fascinated. The urologist was even more fascinated because they're not allowed to go down those paths. That's fine. I accept that. Do you find their treatment then very limiting for you? Do you find this sort of the lack of the holistic approach in in traditional medicine frustrating? Started off being very, very frustrated until I realized that actually there was an awful lot I could do myself. And I show it to the oncologist and she smiles. She said, that's good. She knows that I'm on it. And what's more, she knows that I've got the incentive to take that path. You said a couple of times on both the death cafes you've come to that life is is relatively short now. What do you mean by that? Yes, gosh, I've got absolutely no idea. All I know is that the cancer has come up into the bone of the scapula. There's nothing anybody can do about it. They offered me chemo and I said, well, what's the point? Chemo won't touch it. So I said, what else have you got available? So they said, well, we've got the non-toxic hormone treatment. I said, that'll do. Now, you know, you may notice I've got a great lump in my neck. <laughs> That's new, thinking, oh gosh, what's that all about? Actually, today I discovered it's a potential treatment of, of the steroid treatment of more. It's a byproduct. So, you know, I'm kind of aware that my journey is continuing. It's moving mm-hmm. fast. I'm getting very breathless. Mm-hmm. If I move around the house here, I'm like a racehorse, just panting like a racehorse. I did a wee stretch and heard a snap, twang, as a ligament broke clear of the of the shoulder. Mm, that's all right. I've got a spare one on this side. It's okay. <laughs> all of these things are signs that I'm moving on. My journey is moving on. How does that make you feel? Excited. <laughs> I used to say in February, you guys have got Brexit to deal with. I'm going on holiday. Yeah. Because that's how I felt. How old are you, Colin, by the way? 65. I should be getting my pension. And well, Am I going to get it next year? It's my race now. Yeah. <laughs> because you're so in tune with your death, let's put it that way, or in tune with the transition, I don't even call it death, actually. What's it like for you to be in your body right now, knowing, I mean, really, really engaging with this? I'm bouncing. I'm bouncing in and out. That's a really strange feeling. I mean, here we are. I've just had an hour just sitting quietly after the Qigong and everything else. But I feel as if this is a very third dimensional technological kind of activity, but I'm not quite here. I'm not quite all about. I'm bouncing out. I described it the other week. I'm an engineer and I do engines and I do motorboats and I do, you know, holding down. And I feel as if the engine of my life, somebody's taken the nuts off all the holding down bolts. And it's a bit of a rough ride I'm in now. This engine is likely to bounce off his mountains. So I'm kind of solid doing my shopping list, boil the egg and weed the garden life. I don't want to do garden. Mm. I want to sit in garden. I'm now hearing. The elementals. Is the act of doing really challenging for you now? Yeah, very, very. I don't want to do. Your soul is calling you to sit yeah. and be. I'm letting go. I've stopped driving because this wooziness, well, I'm really not quite sure that I'll lift out and suddenly not be. So that's all gone. I've let go. 
Do you ever get bored or lonely or unattached? We've just had lockdown for, I don't know how many weeks, didn't keep, keep count. Oh, 14 weeks. Yeah, but that time has gone like that because that time was just the most precious, mm. gentle time of going deeply inside. Mm. Time of meditation. The time just went. I will go and do a bit of cooking. Because you have to, I guess. Yes. I'll come down into the mundane. I have this ability just to sweep everything with love, mm. love and gratitude. If death knocked on the door at this moment, you'd be really happy just to go. Well, except for the fact that I'm trying awfully hard to write my will. That's annoying me at the moment. When you look at life, where you are right now, and you look at life as it is, do you think it's a joke? Do you think it's been a drama? Do you think it's been an adventure or hard work? Every one of us is going to die at exactly the right time on our soul journey. Be it with COVID, be it with cancer, it doesn't matter. Up until the point that I die, I'm on that journey. So I'm giving me, the soul, mm. the experiences. But when you sort of see the bigger picture of life, well, I call it the nonsense, really. We really get into this nonsense, don't we? I call it the shiny things. In the Royal yes. Navy, if, if you left anything shiny anywhere, it would disappear. And it would only disappear because somebody saw it and said, that's shiny, I'll have it. Have it. And it's this I want. Mm. I want a car. I want an iPhone. I, I want a battleship. It doesn't matter yeah. what level. Do you feel an attachment to life still? Do you think, God, I really want to stay here? Not at all. Not at all. That's why my motto now is I live to give. There's that wonderful little movie of pay it forward, don't pay it back. That's what I'm doing. I'm giving. I'm giving out. Do you think you'd be doing this if you hadn't got the terminal diagnosis? No, no. No, I'd be... I'd be, I'd, I'd be be driving and getting a better car and, and, and planning the new holidays. Well, that doesn't matter now. That's all three-dimensional stuff. Yes, yes every day I, I, I say, yes, another day. Mm -hmm. I used to say, show me somebody to hug and then show me a coffee shop. Well, I'm not allowed to do either. <laughs> yeah. So do you know what I did? I went out and I bought, there are 19 ladies in this little, little road, and I bought 19 bunches of flowers, and I just oh. went down the road and gave them all a bunch of flowers. said, I'm not allowed to give you a, a hug, but I can give you a bunch of flowers to make your day. Mm, because that's the sort of what I'm doing. When you sort of think about the future that's lying in front of you, which I gather is foreshortened, do you feel like you have a year? Do you feel like it's six months? Do you feel like it's a couple of weeks? I mean, where are you with that? It really is very, very difficult. I watched my friend round the corner. He had exactly the same as me. We sang together in the choir for years and he took chemotherapy and I went to see him and he looked like a skeleton and he just went... And I'm thinking, well, I'm not losing weight. I'm not losing appetite. I'm not losing interest. I don't tick any of those boxes. What I am doing is lifting up on this state of stable three-dimensional. That's what I observe. The body is sore. The body is failing. Actually, I don't really need to know. I'm looking at today. If for the moment, the most important thing in my life is that I'm talking to you right now. One of the things I've spent a lot of time doing is working on my fear, my fears, and saying, what is fear? And be it a fear of spiders, be it the fear of 
not taking the, the electricity readings and therefore I get the, you know, or the fear of death. How would you say you did release the fear of death? Oh, yeah, just, okay, I've studied it. I've looked at it. The first thing I said was, what is truth? I don't know whether there is any truth. I have a perception, a human perception. And I say, do I believe? I don't like the word believe because I don't know. I don't know, Gov. Therefore, I say, am I comfortable with? Ah, that's a slightly lower level. Yes, I am comfortable with it. Now, if you ask me to say, do I believe that I'm going to meet my ancestors? I just don't know. But am I comfortable that I'm going to meet my mother? Yes, I'm comfortable with that. And death to me is just a moving on. Do you feel like you've made peace with the life that you've had this time? I don't have any great anguishes. I don't have any great hurts. I haven't killed anyone. I was in the military. I didn't quite do the Falklands, so I didn't do that intense fear. And yes, I'm in a state of sort of intense peace, intense love, Mm. and I'm washing. One of the little activities I did was memory healing. What about your partner or your wife? Because that's the sticky ones, isn't it? No, it's not. Part of of my journey has been with an organization in Glastonbury. We've really gone deep. One of the sessions, we were talking about ourselves. And I suddenly said, you know, what I need to do is to learn to honor myself. This flag came up. And I thought, you know, as I learn to honor myself, I am soul. I have body. That broadened into, actually, I need to honor life. Mm. I need to honor you. So I was on time. I need to honor every activity, every everything I'm dealing with. And then I realized that was probably why I got divorced. And so I said to myself, well, I can do something about that now. Mm. And so in our little communications, I started to open that up Mm. and honor and honor. And, you know, we went full circle and we're back to the position we were in when we first fell in love. We're not going to fall in love because wisdom says there's other things. You know? <laughs> However, we've now got to the extent where we are just two best friends parenting these two wonderful ladies mm. and looking after each other's mothers and in the whole way. So, yes, that was sticky. But one of the big major lessons of life I've learned, and this is the lesson of my journey, was the lesson of honouring. When you look ahead and you actually wave at death, we all are in, in one respect or not, but let's just take it that you're going to go before me. When you look at death, what happens for you? Ooh, excitement. It's like planning the bestest holiday you possibly could ever imagine. I have a perception now that there's like a metaphorical door in front of me and it's cracked open. And there's this most beautiful gold and yellow light spilling out of that door because i hear an audio sensitive i hear a little voice saying it's almost time to come home now my child you know and that is a wonderful picture it's just there with me all the time i don't know when i don't think i'm dying yet you know i feel fine i've thought out some chicken and we'll have that for tea tonight 
you know, <laughs> those are kind of stout in the bridge. <laughs> but I'm also watching these things I can't do. Mm. I can only go so far for a walk now. Does the pain frighten you? Nah. You know, that was actually unexpected. And this, this thing about the back. And I was at the extreme of the pain relief that I'd got. And thinking, all right, I know this journey is likely to be painful. And at the right time, then we will kick in with a, with a new level of pain. And that's that sort of so Do you want to die at home or do you want to die in hospice? I would rather not die at home because that would then mean oh, this is the, the room that dad died in. And I'd rather go off to the hospice if I'm allowed and if there's one. Mm-hmm. I don't really want to die in hospital. But, you know, obviously, you, you just write this down and, and write your preferences down. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to happen. I really, I don't mind how it's going to happen. But I have this wonderful feeling. I was lying in bed thinking, I will know when I've died because my tinnitus will stop. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No tinnitus. Oh, my God. No pain and no tinnitus. The pain thing doesn't worry me. It's, it's not a thing. I, I know that I'll be kept comfortable. If you were to give a piece of advice to anybody who's maybe just been diagnosed with cancer or maybe even just struggles with life or just living life and we're all going to die at some point what would that piece of advice be for them listen to your heart just yes listen to your heart your heart is your intuition and it doesn't matter what your big religious or small religious listen to the heart and the heart will 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 take you it'll it'll tell you tell you what's right what's wrong i can't advise do don't medically yeah, everybody's journey is, is, is different. I had to very quickly say, right, am I going to tell people about this cancer journey? And I just said, no, I, 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 I want some friends here. Let it go. And it's a journey. It's, a, it's, it's only my body is going to stop. I'm not going to stop. That's my perception. But dying means there's a stopping off. For my friends and family, that's how it will be for them because they will see the persona sort of stop on on the bed. But for me, the important thing is that I will carry on. I'm on a soul journey. We have this language which has come out of the Victorian, we don't know what it is, so it's all black and dark. And I asked the funeral directors if they've got any colours available. She said, what would you like us to wear? I said, multicoloured? She said, the hats will be multicoloured, the ties will be multicoloured. Your wish is our command. I had some very funny conversations with them. <laughs> we don't have a good relationship with death. And, and I think that, that that's something that concerns me. Whichever viewpoint people take, religious, black, practical, the views are all valid. The work that you're doing, the work that the hospice is doing with his great signs make death part of life is starting to open those doors, starting to get a conversation going. Essential, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. It's the fear of death and the fear of the unknown. And the more people can look at death, because, sorry, this journey, none of us are getting out of alive. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. We will go to that door. Mm. All of us will go to that door. But it's how we approach that door. Mm. And the more I read and the more I hear... And the more I sort of think, 
why, why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, why are we doing all that? And, and, and you come down to just the heart, love. That's the journey. That's the journey. The remarkable and courageous Colin Gilbert. You can read his full interview on my blog, suebrain.co.uk. My next guest is Misha Norlin. He started working in films back in the 1960s, but while researching a television series on the new age, he came across homeopathy, which changed his life. Homeopathy is terribly simple. It's like yours, like when you just match the symptoms of the sufferer with the symptoms that you discover through the provings when they match. Hey, presto. You've been listening to Embracing Your Mortality, and I look forward to you joining me again next time. You can find out more about me through my website, suebrain.co.uk. In the meantime, here's to us all living more consciously for a better world. The Embracing Your Mortality podcast was researched and recorded by Sue Brain and produced and edited by the Podcast Den.